Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Be Real podcast. I'm your host, Nayan, for today's episode. And as always, I'm joined here by James. Lad, how you doing? Doing all right. I'm how, doing okay. That's good. How was your weekend or today? Today. Today <laughs> was good. I'm working from home, so I'm okay. Um, you obviously know the experience that I went through this morning. Um, fried my dopamine receptors by having the Miami Grand Prix and the Sixers and Celtics game <laughs> on two screens and watching at the same time. Just had one eye looking at one and then one eye looking at the other. Um, but the yeah, the Sixers and Celtics game, man, that had me. That was an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> oh, it, it was probably like one of the most insane games that I've seen. It's, it's just like, um, so it's this is a must-win game for the Sixers if they lose. And Sixers are my team. You know how loyal I am to them. They must. They're very frustrating. But it went to overtime. We tied it up, and then um, James Harden hit a three with like ten seconds to go. We're up by two, and then they're running their last play, and then. They shoot it and they make the basket, but he let it go like 0.5 seconds late. <laughs> so if he released it just a little bit like earlier, we would have lost that game. So now the series is tied 2-2 and we're still in this. Oh, yeah. shit. What, what about you? I, um, I think it was Saturday. I received a little bit of uh, some angry messages <laughs> towards some uh, referees. <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> it was. It was a bit off. I was caught up in emotion a bit that I was a little bit drunk at the time, but mainly because I was caught up in emotion. Man, these Warriors of mine can't, cannot t- catch a break, eh? I mean, they are definitely playing way better than anyone else. I mean, we're first like three top sides and everyone expect them to get hammered and they've actually been playing pretty decently, yeah. not getting smashed. But mm-hmm. some of these referee calls are starting to get a bit ridiculous now that um, I think one of the CEOs of the sponsors has started a has made a comment about it to the NRL. So now oh, they're really? looking into it. Um, getting further. to that point, eh? Yeah, this <clears throat> sometimes escalates to that. What's, the, what's their point differential? Negative 18. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, your um, I like think from coming games are getting easier. Like your schedule's easier now. We have a winnable game next week or this week, and then we have a bye. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Hopefully they can get Hopefully the they make playoffs. If yeah. if they make playoffs, you're going to experience a very, very happy Nayan on the show. I know. Last time I felt happy was in 2018 when they last made the playoffs. Oh, that's a that's five years ago. Yeah. Oh, my R- God. Roller coaster of my team. <laughs> you should move your um, loyalty to the Golden State Warriors. No. Because they just won championships. <laughs> Are they going to win this year? No. They have, they have a chance. They're a contender. We'll right. see. All right. That's sports gains. Now let's move on to movie gains. So here on movie gains, we like to bring you all the latest and greatest greatest news from the entertainment industry, from blockbuster hits to indie flicks. We got it all covered. And if you're a real movie buff, be sure to hit check out moviegains.com for even more exciting content like box office stats, Oscar predictions, and 4K physical media reviews. So on today's show, we'll be covering the weekend's box office results. Margot Robbie being approached for Sue Storm in Fantastic Four, Dune Part 2 trailer, the Gran Turismo trailer, Brendan Fraser on his future movie roles, the Duffer Brothers saying filming won't start on season five of Stranger Things, AI to write scripts for studios, Avatar The Way of Water, and Avatar 1 4K physical media release. Kerry Codden and Brad Pitt starring in Joseph Kaczynski's F1 film. Across the Spider-Verse's reported runtime and the cast of Gladiator 2 so far. 
So sit back, crack open a cold one, and let's get into it. So I, f- I figured the first one we might as well just go through the box office ones. I mean, we've had big a weekend. big weekend. Yeah, yeah, we've had a big new entry contender since Mario. Mm-hmm. Mario's dominated the uh, box office for, I feel like, almost a month now or close to. That's but crazy, yeah. Guardians 3 has come out, mm-hmm. and it has beaten Mario. So this is the top five box office results for this weekend. And number one, obviously, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for the $114 million. Number two is the Super Mario Brothers movie with $18.6 million. Third is Evil Dead Rise with $5.73 million. For three, four. Four is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret with $3.38 million. And fifth is Love Again with $2.425 million. So, a very specific number right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I assume that we're only going to talk about number one because I, yeah. The other yeah, I mean, well, it's e- easy to write off. In Mario getting 18.6. Yeah. And I think it's fifth weekend with Guardians opening is still a huge accomplishment. But, you know, that's yeah. an easy um, counter-programming for, you know, children. Because I think with Guardians 3 and the, the word of mouth surrounding it now in terms of, you know, is it appropriate for children? Is it, It's probably not. It's quite an. It's uh, very dark. It is quite dark. It's very mature, and I don't know how much children, quite young children, would enjoy this, yeah. especially if they don't follow the characters and whatnot. Also, it's quite long, so Mario can still thrive with Guardians being out. But I mean, Guardians at 114 million. I'm, I think it's disappointing, um, primarily because the second Guardians movie opened to around like 146. Million? Do they both release at the same time off the top of your head? Can you remember? Like this May? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the opening of the summer movie blockbuster season. So uh, for it to have like, you know, a good 35 million down from, or 32 million down from what the second one did in 2017, and you include inflation and whatnot, it's pretty significant. Um, you know, worldwide, I think it was like over 280 or something yeah. like that for the total. Uh, it's hard to compare Guardians 2 worldwide opening because it opened like a week earlier in like half, you know, the worldwide market. As in Guardians 3? No, Guardians 2 opened oh. in like half the worldwide market a week earlier before like the US and stuff like that. So you can't really compare them. Um, but yeah, overall, this is disappointing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need people on like Twitter to really tell me that, oh, it doesn't need <laughs> to make Guardians 2 stuff to earn money. And I'm like, yeah, I know that, but... It's it's much more than that, and I've had, I've had people all week just yeah. I've seen, seen you get into some rumbles. Yeah, they they were coming at me for like <laughs> no reason, and it's they're missing the point. What I'm trying to say, and the criticism that I say about this, like these box office numbers here, is that it's about the story. It's it's about the the narrative behind the numbers. The MCU is trending downwards. It's been trending downwards. It's going to be profitable. It's going to make money for Disney, sure. And they're going to be happy and whatnot. But they are trending downwards. It's about where the trend is going. And and that's what I'm discussing. Anything trending downwards is is not a good sign, especially the way this film has been, you know, marketed. It's the final one. It's, um, and, you know, it's coming off like, um, you know, the Guardians characters being in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, so much more exposure. So these characters should be even be more popular now. Yeah. So it's it's not good. It's going to make less than Guardians 2 worldwide if it 
doesn't hit Guardians one worldwide total, which is around like seven hundred and something, mm-hmm. th- this is that's really bad. I do I do really hope that the word of mouth for this really carries it much more than what I'm forecasting at this point. Um, but it doesn't look good. I think Guardians three is really just a product of collateral damage in terms of what Marvel's done to their reputation. Mm. Um, not, I don't think it represents the quality of the film itself. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, uh, side note before I get into what I think. Um, I remember on a podcast previously you mentioned um, what's the next Marvel film that's not an Avengers movie to make one billion. Mm. I think we both said Guardians. Def- I never said Guardians. Oh, didn't you? I've always been certain that it won't make a billion. Ah, yeah. what, what, what movie did you say? None. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I said Guardians. You see, I know you said Guardians, yeah. <laughs> All right, never mind. What do I think? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same boat as you. I, mm. I thought it would probably be a little bit more higher, less 120 to 130, maybe yeah. a bit more. Mm. Um, especially considering it's like James Gunn's final Guardians film and it's like the final Guardians film that we see off all the core characters as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that was a little bit disappointing. Um, Mario was actually pretty surprising for me. Yeah. I thought it would drop like, massively to be like the low double digits but for it to be 8.6 million that's good it is good yeah i mean i wonder if it's like an overflow like guardians screening sold out <clears throat> so it everyone doesn't went, look like it's sold out nothing at 114 <laughs> million it's probably like oh the parents go see this and the kids go see that kind of thing yeah yeah probably mm. but yeah i'll be interested to see the um week two drop for guardians that's good that's going to be another interesting story yeah so because okay. i think at man it was Around about 60%? I think it's 69.5, which is insane. Do you think we'll get similar numbers, like 50 plus? I'd say around the 60% is a safe bet, and 60% is fine. I mm-hmm. think that's all it needs as long as it stabilizes after that. Yeah. If it's over 65%, then I'm, then I'm worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out next week. We will. All right. Topic number two is Fantastic Four related. I feel like... Every week on this podcast, we talk about Fantastic Four because something comes up during the week that is, I'd, I'd say, baity almost, like baiting people and the fans into um, <clears throat> what the announcement's going to be or who's going to play who. Yeah. This week's bait of the week is Margot Robbie has been approached for Sue Storm um, in the Fantastic Four. Um, so I think we've talked about all these characters so much. So just simply put, would you like to see Margot Robbie portray Sue Storm? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, from what I've read throughout the week, yeah, they, they offered her the role. Um, she's previously passed on it. Mm-hmm. I don't see it actually happening. Um, I don't see her agreeing to this. And if you're, yeah, if you're wondering if I am looking forward to I or wanting to see her in the role, I would say no. Would I think she'd be an amazing Sue Storm? Yes. Do I think she could fit and play the role very well probably above most of the performances in the mcu mm-hmm. yes but margaret robbie is you know she will be in the dc dcu i would say because yeah. her and james gunner pretty close and they work together and whatnot um and she's already she already plays a bunch of roles and i i really like her just you know thriving in um a mix of blockbusters and uh, you know, independent movies that are got really exciting, versatile roles for her. And I don't want an actress like Margaret Robbie, who's very talented, to just, you know, immediately jump on the MCU train for five, ten years 
you know, what, what does she come? What does she have coming out? She's got Barbie. Mm-hmm. She has um, Asteroid City. Is she in Asteroid City or is she in the other one? She's in Asteroid City, yeah. and then uh, she, uh, she's in another stuff as well. But yeah, like th- there's just very interesting roles, and she really plays all her roles very well. Yeah, I don't want her committed to <clears throat> you know a character for that long, and if she is going to commit to a character, then either remain as Harley Quinn, move to the DCU, or uh, and I hope James Gunn offers her a role in the DCU and she commits to a character there. I think that's where she's going to, you're going to get the most out of her, out of her performance yeah. in that universe, not the MCU. What Would you, you want to see her as um, Harley Quinn in that universe or a completely new character? I don't mind. Like, like I said, she's a very versatile actress. So she could really go in, in, any, yeah, anything she's casted in, I'm going to be excited for yeah. well, whatever character it is. Um, but you know, we got Lady Gaga coming in as Harley Quinn. Maybe the role is getting a bit saturated and she could find something new or interesting with this new universe coming up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you, what would you feel about her in the role? Uh, I think pretty much everything that you said, like she'll definitely be able to do the role, nail it and whatnot. Mm. But my preference is to see someone lesser known, someone more up and coming. Yeah. And we've said it so many times, Jodie Cormer is like my, my number one pick for this one. Yeah. Um, I just think she'll be perfect for this role. I think Margot Robbie's just a well to, to establish a name that I think her name would somewhat overshadow the Fantastic Four. Mm. Um, if, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Adam Driver, yeah, he's a big name, but he's not like, immensely popular like Margot Robbie. Yeah. Is. Yeah, there is levels to it and Margot stands a bit above him. Yeah. Yeah. So I and besides it's we can we'll say it's around about seven to ten year commitment, mm. if not more. Yeah. Um does she can she really commit to a role that long? That's what uh, that's another thing Cause, to consider. Yeah, because yeah. at least with the DCU, if she does go in there, mm. there there is a plan, but it's not like from what we've seen so far, it's not like, you know, Creature Commandos 1, Creature Commandos 2, yeah. and then they all link up to an event form. It's just mm. like individual stuff at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that that's probably a bit more flexibility for her to go do this role in a massive franchise and then yeah. fuck off and do some indie films or whatever else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say this as well, though, because Adam Driver, he's basically confirmed at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of people have, you know, valid sources yeah. they can be wrong but nine times out of ten they're right mm-hmm. it's pretty much done with adam driver being confirmed as mr fantastic i would rather adam driver as mr fantastic pair up with margaret robbie for sue storm i think they would they would work much better together the chemistry would be a lot better if you have jody coma come in with adam driver that's a pairing that does not feel that that it could work why is that is that because of like similar star power or age or similar, similar star power, similar acting experience. Um, just, and Jodie Coma feels a lot younger. And if you're going to have a romantic pairing on screen and have a, a noticeable age difference. Yeah, I think she's my age. Yeah. Or at least it feels like that. It may just be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But you know, they're, they're both talented, so I'd say. But I think, yeah, in terms of experience and whatnot. Well, the rumor mill going around is that they're planning on starting filming around about January. January. Yeah, yeah. So we should be getting some cast announcement announcements within the next few months, I'd, I'd, I'd at least think. I'd say it comes in Comic-Con or their D23. 
Mm. Which um, is third that, quarter? That's like, yeah, that's around August, September time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Going to be interesting. All right, the next one is the Dune Part 2 trailer. So this is the sequel to Shut Up. <laughs> I already know what's in store for me <laughs> from James's side, but... Just smiling. I'll carry on. This is the uh, sequel to Dune, which released in 2020, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Mm. Um, it's got a star-studded cast as well. Um, Hans Zimmer's attached as the composer. Yep. The visuals look amazing. The trailer mm. just dropped. They initially dropped like a minute and a bit teaser and then the poster and then the day after they just decided to be like fuck it let's just release the whole trailer okay yeah so yeah we, we were really cheated um over those mm. past two days um so after your roasting what is uh what are your thoughts on this trailer i'll make my roasting very brief because it all comes down to subjective opinions but nane did not have doom part two in his top 10 most disputed for this year i had in my honorable mention mentions because <laughs> Dune 1 did nothing to him. And I am <laughs> quoting that word by word. But I know now that if he were to see this, I think he would be in the top 10 because for me, uh, I would have it a lot higher in terms of my anticipation. This looks top five. incredible. Yeah, this this looks amazing. You know what you're going to get with this um, on a visual and technical standpoint, very similar to what we got in 2021 with Dune. You know, just the cinematography is just going to be Amazing, Denis Villeneuve, and I, oh, I forgot who is it. Hoyt Van Hoytemer? No, he doesn't. Uh, I'll double check for you, but he's not the cinematographer. Is it? It might be Deacon. I know Deacons and Denis Villeneuve have worked together previously. No, I don't think it's yeah. Deacons. Yeah, I feel like he's tied up in other projects. But you know, you you know what you're getting from a visual standpoint. The cinematography, the type of shots you're going to get is incredible. You're going to get it very uh, practical and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Greg Fraser is the cinematographer. Greg Fraser. He did the Batman as well. So, yeah, a very talented thing. And then you pair him with someone like Denis Villeneuve, you're going to get some of the best cinematography of the year. Mm-hmm. Probably a nomination on the way. Um, but, yeah, you know, very practical kind of uh, effects being used. The soundscape that will be designed is just going to be even more crazy than the first one. Uh, you know, your Hans Zimmer on the mm-hmm. score. And, you know, besides that, you know, like I was, that's why I was in my top 10 because I knew that was coming and I knew I was going to love it. But the story, this one actually looks far more entertaining. If Dune one is the appetizer, then this is the main meal, you know? Yeah. And we're about to feast on this. (laughs) And it actually looks like a story that's moved like forward. It it does feel like it's come, it's coming to a conclusion, which I don't think is justified the build up yet. But we'll have to see when the movie comes out. But it looks like we're actually going to get some, you know, more interesting storytelling and a story that moves with much more pace to it. Um, so that's got me very excited. Obviously, the new additions are Florence Pugh. Yeah. She looks great. Austin Butler looks unrecognizable. He doesn't. He looked like Matt Smith. Like there's a photo going around of like a still off him mm. and he looks exactly like Matt Smith. I'm like, is that Matt Smith or Austin Butler? Reminds me of one of those things on uh, Prometheus. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that what as well. What are those, the first people or something? I don't, yeah. The alien, yeah. That, I've seen stuff about Mad Max, you know, the people that spray paint there. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen comparisons to that. Yeah, that makes me wonder, like, why do you have to cast Austin Butler in this role? You can do anyone. But, um, yeah. you know, Austin Butler's going to bring bring whatever he can to that role. And it looks, it just looks like a ton of fun. It does. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a Dune hater yourself. What did you think of this? <laughs> 
Not Dune Hater cunt. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was fantastic. And pretty much as you said, if I had the trailer b- before we did our top tens, this would mm. probably easily be top five. Yeah. Somewhere in there. It looks fantastic. Um, mm. For Hans Zimmer to pass on Christopher Nolan twice in a row to do this. He's committed. <laughs> he is committed. And from just the score that we heard throughout that trailer is mm. amazing. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think majority of it is stuff that he's used in the first part. He'll probably just be building, tweaking. Yeah. yeah. So we're interested. I'm um, interested to see if he brings like more pieces, mm. more original new pieces to the second one. Um, yeah, I'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, the visuals, as you said, was fantastic. Did it win the Oscar? For Best cinematography. Cinematography, not visuals. I'm not sure. It was a weird year for Oscars. So, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. But I th- I'm pretty sure it was nominated. Yeah. I mean, if the vi- the cinematography is as fantastic in this trailer as mm. the first in the entire film and it continues in yeah. the second film, I think that's another Oscar for cinematography easily. Yeah. That's definitely heavyweight in terms for the technical categories. And probably Sound. a best picture contender at this point. Yep. Yeah. Guaranteed pretty much as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm now looking forward to this. <laughs> yes. We got him on board. Wait, when does it release? End of year? Yeah, I think around November. the November time. Mm. Yeah. Similar to the first, first one. one. Yeah. Mm. Well, November can't come soon enough. Mm. Right. On the trailer buzz, we got our first trailer for Gran Turismo. You know, the classic PlayStation game. There's several, seven of them. I played five of them. Um, so yeah, it's basically just a car racing game that they've, uh, yeah. brought into a film, but it's done in a quite a different way to what we expect from racing games. That's been trans transitioned and in transitioned into the film. It's more on the gaming side yeah. of, of it all. Mm. And just some random gamer actually participating, participating in what is it called? A Grand Prix or a race. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think of this trailer? I'm not going to lie, man. I, I love this, eh? Now, I know that it may not work, at, and the concept's a little goofy, but yeah. l- l- like you said, you know, if you hear about a movie called Gran Turismo, you're like, oh, it's just going to be some guy racing a car, and it's just it's just going to be called Gran Turismo, but they're just racing cars. Yeah. To actually, you know, use this concept where, you know, the the Gran Turismo games actually exist in that world. Yeah. And the best racers that play that game have a chance to actually play in the real, like a real Grand Prix or a real race or whatever it may be. I think yeah. that's, that makes it really interesting because it's a way that you can, uh, you know, treat the fan base to these movies. I think it's, I'm not going to say faithful, but I think it's, you know, you're honoring the legacy of the gaming franchise mm-hmm. while, creating a new kind of concept for a film. And I think it's a more naturalistic and interesting way to bring it into the format of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this has, this has the potential to be dog shit, just a, 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 a throwaway movie, if you will. But if it hits, I think it could be something quite special. You know, if the the Gran Turismo, I don't know how big the fan base is. I haven't heard about this franchise in decades, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you satisfy them and honor that franchise while establishing quite a new concept into a film, it could it could really work. Um, yeah. But that that's a tough margin to hit. So I'd lean more towards the cautionary optimistic 
perspective. But um, yeah, what, what did you think? This I think this one is interesting. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it looks pretty good. It gives me like not quite Ford v Ferrari vibes, but like those sort of vibes as in like it could be good and it could get to somewhat close to that level. Mm. Um, I think the racing is really done well and captured well. Uh, this might not make sense to anyone, but the shots look exactly like it is in the game of like, you know, how there's a bunch of cars going around a corner and it's like that low shot. Oh, yes. As yeah, they go yeah, around. Yeah. That's like taken straight from the games and stuff. Mm. Have you played the games much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, as you said, it's, it's more for you need to be quite optimistic mm. in regards to this because it could either be trash or it could be great. Yeah. But from what I've seen so far, it looks pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know much of the director's work, but the director is Neil Blomkamp. Did he do obl- – is it Oblivion? Is it him? I don't know. I No, I think – did Joseph Fonsinski do – Oblivion? I have no idea. No, yeah. Um, I have. I feel like I've heard or, the director's or, name. Or am before. I thinking of Elysium? Elysium. Oh, that's the, the Matt Damon one. Eh? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I I'm pretty sure Oblivion was not him. He did. Um, Neil Blomkamp did District Nine. Chappie. Yeah, he did do Elysium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, District Nine was pretty good. District Nine was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Chappie though. Bro, the boxing robot. Don't hate on chaps. So, yeah, it could go either way, but yeah. I actually admire the direction that they're taking this movie. It's yeah. I'm glad because when I heard Gran Turismo, I was no way looking forward to this because I, I felt like I knew exactly what they would do. Yeah. Oh, it's just some drive and he he competes in a um, nice. an event called Gran Turismo and then yeah. that's it. Yeah, so uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a more interesting concept of like, yeah, average show gamer. Exactly. I mean, yeah. he might just be an like an OP gamer, but mm. it, it's something different we're going to see. So I think either way, it's definitely going to feel fresh to what I've seen from normal car films. Yeah. You know what they, they need to do now that I've seen this trailer? What? Fortnite movie. Why Fortnite? Because it's like the Hunger Games. They will choose the top gamers to drop in to the island. Oh, should we see Ninja going and he just fist on eliminated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, on, on the topic of Fortnite, I am so surprised we haven't seen a movie from Fortnite yet, considering how popular and big it is. Yeah, I mean, when, when did Fortnite come out? 18? 2018? 2017, I think. 2017. I think next year we'll get an announcement because Moana released in 2016 and it's already been announced for a re-release <laughs> or a remake. So yeah, Fortnite's, Fortnite's on the way. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know how you'd put that one to a movie, but it would have to be very Hunger Games esque. Yeah, like or, those people are sent to the island for a reason. Or they might do like a duos or a teams. Oh, squad cent- squads yeah. centric. So we just see a squad in this, and then like the last hour of the movie is them in the island trying to be the last one. Well, as long as I can see the prison and old yeah. Dusty Depot again, I'm happy. It could actually work. It seems like it could actually work, though, that I think it could. Fortnite, yeah. I think that's a decent, mm. like, money-making in terms of film right there, if they do it right. Yeah, and if this movie, Gran Turismo, if, that, if this one works, then, you know, we can kind of start getting rid of the whole cliche and stereotype that video games can't be adapted. Yeah. Because I think you just got to be creative with it. And Yeah. Yeah, I think it could work. Yeah, I mean... We've seen it with Sonic, Mario, then The Last of Us. They've all been creative in the property. And decent as well. And, and really good as well. Yeah. But I guess we'll wait and see. 
Mm-hmm. Right, the next one is Brendan Fraser and his uh, future movie roles. So he recently did an interview and he said that he has no up-and-coming movies that he's shooting at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his next film is um, Killers of Flower and Flower Moon, yes. the Martin Scorsese one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his next film. But after that, he doesn't have anything planned. He says he's been really picky with his roles. Um, we we know that he's, this is like his renaissance, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, he's just coming back, yeah. um, back into relevancy and popularity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you like this um, uh, quote from him saying that he wants to pick the right roles? He wants to be picky mm-hmm. with his roles? Or would you rather have him just take whatever he can get right now to reestablish his name? No, I actually really like the words that he said here. Um, for any actor that is, you know, in the high echelon for movie actors and actresses who have the ability to pick and choose their roles, they have that ability. I suggest that they should pick and choose. You know, they have filmographies to build and, you know, their career has real purpose and meaning to to them. So pick what's right for you. Pick what you want to do and what kind of roles you want to have. Um, but, you know, I think... I don't know if Brendan Fraser is the pick and choose guy. This is one good role. Yeah. And, you know. Hey, George of the Jungle and the Mummy. Yeah, no. He's, he's <laughs> a great action um, actor. And, you know, maybe he's really good now to the point yeah. where he can, you know, be in slow drama films. Um, but th- this is one movie and he has won one Oscar from it. Um so the ability to pick and choose, good on him. I hope that he actually um, continues to del- deliver performances on that kind of level. Yeah. And I hope that because y- you see these Oscar winners sometimes and they, they'll win and then they'll just kind of not be in that Oscar conversation anymore. Again. Yeah. yeah I remember J.K. Simmons won for Whiplash. Yeah. And I can't really, he's been in great stuff and he's had good um, performances since, but nothing has come close to that kind of level. And he's been in like just all these random different things. Like Justice League and Spider Man and yeah, stuff like Spider-Man, that. Spider Man and then like even like voice roles and like little cartoons. It's just. Are you invincible? Is that what you're talking about? And, 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 no, like, uh, th- those are good roles. I'm, I'm talking like just. Things you wouldn't even heard of. I was like watching this, like I wasn't watching. I'm not going to tell you the context to why I was watching it, but it was like this, like cartoon seal thing on um Netflix. <laughs> Just watching it for a, a funny reason. Um, Were you no, drunk? this is not part of this. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't drunk. And then he was, he was in it, and I'm like, "What are you doing in this?" It just, it made no sense to me. Paycheck. Paycheck. So yeah, it could be that. Whatever Brendan Fraser right, he wants to go down. I do believe from what I've heard. In the last <laughs> 12 months from his, uh, you know, whale campaign and whatnot, I think he has much more respect for the, um, you know, uh, for the acting kind of craft. job. Yeah, yeah, the craft of it. And I think he respects it to the point where he actually wants to build on what he's done and get better and have good roles and stuff like that. I don't yeah. think he's after the paycheck for this. So, you know, my heart goes out to him and his future endeavors. endeavors. Where do you stand on it? Yeah, I agree with you as well. I'm sort of happy that he's not just going into like the latest, like most popular franchise right now and making mm. a quick buck. Yeah. He actually cares about his career and the craft mm. and he'd rather be see, be seen as like, why not on the level of Leonardo DiCaprio, but you know how he's like 
chooses the, yeah. the, those particular sort of roles. Mm. So um, I'm happy that he wants to be seen as like a more of a serious actor, more yeah. of an Oscar contender. Absolutely. Um, something to like Meryl Streep, you know, like. Oh my gosh, you're throwing out mm. big names right now. He's no, nowhere near the level of these No, two. what I meant about Meryl Streep was like, you know how she's just like Oscar for Oscar after yeah. Oscar? Like maybe that might be his goal is just to win mm. like awards and like be recognized. If he got to that level, be, that would be insane. Comeback of the century. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I said it before. I just want to see another movie of him with, in Georgia the Jungle and the Mummy and I'm happy. But but that's a paycheck for him. That is a paycheck for <laughs> him. He doesn't need for that. Him. So yeah. Um, and the fact that we've only seen the whale as his like comeback and then the next one's Killers of the Flower Moon. So we, mm. we don't really have enough gauge to get where he's going to be at. Yeah. But I mean, he's working with Martin Scorsese and yeah. he's like a very good actor, uh, not actor, director. He brings out good the, the, performances. Yeah. So I, I think um, Brendan Fraser might have like another good role under his belt after this one. Yeah. I think it's mostly only a supporting role. And even as a supporting role, it's behind Robert De Niro. So it's yeah. not like an Oscar contention kind of role. Very yeah. limited, I'd say. But what what would you do? Brendan Fraser got casted, got cast as the thing in the MCU. That'd be pretty hype. You'd be hyped for that. <laughs> like, He's like, yeah. I'm being picky, and then just goes to the MCU. Yeah, bro. He's being picky and like a non isn't as more <laughs> of a face or a voice role. So he's so he's uh, showcasing his voice talents rather than his uh, physical acting talents. Physical acting talent. He's going to be Dr. Doom. Nah, I don't think he... He's too nice to be Dr. Doom. He's too nice to be yeah. Dr. Doom. He's, sorry, he's too lovable to be Dr. Doom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Moving on? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, trying, I was trying to think of a clever comeback. I just couldn't... I just didn't have it in me. All right, checkmate. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Next topic is... So we all know about this recent uh, writer's strike that's happening right now. Um, mm. There's a ton of films and a ton of uh, shows that have um, been affected by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upcoming Blade has been affected by this. And I swear that's there's always something with that film, oh, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stranger Things season five that's been affected, and pretty much every uh, live talk show has been affected. You know, like the Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon mm. stuff like that has been affected as well. Um, so the Duffer Brothers has recently said that they won't start filming on Stranger Things season five <clears throat> until this writer's dispute is mm-hmm. resolved. Yeah. Um, I know after season four, you were frothing it. I was frothing it. Yeah. You know, we wanted more. <laughs> and now we get like this little gut punch that we're not going to see it anytime soon. Because mm. who knows how long this is going to go on for. It can go on for days, weeks, months, yeah. possibly even years. Yeah, that'd be insane. Yeah. So who knows when we're going to get this? Who knows when we're going to get season five? And the fact that it's like the final season is just... Yeah. Like, it's completely understandable as to what the writers are doing, but, like, as mm. fans, like, it's a little bit irritating. You're just like, oh, I just, you just see, want it now. Yeah, yeah. You, you just want to see the rest of it, Yeah, you know, because it's just, it's good quality, like, content that mm-hmm. they're making. And obviously the writers deserve more pay and yeah. whatever else they're striking about because mm-hmm. um, they're delivering stuff like this. So what are your thoughts on this season five being delayed? And um, do you see an end to this writer's strike, any, strike anytime soon? I don't know about the writer's strike. That's, it's a, it's a big topic to cover. Um, I'll cover the whole uh, writers thing briefly at the start. Obviously, writers are, you know, they're a big piece of filmmaking and uh, show running and whatnot. 
without a script, you don't have anything to work off. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, you know, the hierarchy of um, the most important roles in filmmaking, it's pretty much producer at the top, then it's your director, and then it's like your, you know, the, then it's like the writers, the actors, all on that. They're, they're on that same, same, level. same level, yeah. So they're very important. Producers get millions. Directors get millions. Actors get millions. And writers get thousands. They don't really get that much. And they're, they're much more freelancing kind of work. So it's, it's a very tough industry. So for them to get fair pay and fair working conditions, they absolutely deserve it. But in saying that, how many reports have we heard over the last few years about this kind of stuff? VFX artists, all these people under yeah. so much pressure and not getting paid enough and working too long. And, you know, even in my day-to-day life or what we see in Auckland and stuff like that, it feels like this is everything, like everywhere. Yeah, you got the nurse, uh, like back here at home in New Zealand, you get like stuff like teacher strikes, strikes, teacher strikes, nursing strikes. I think like everyone's that. really but, under the palm. Like transport strikes. Yeah, everybody's not getting paid enough. It is a a systematic issue um, that goes deeper than my understanding, of course. Um, and I, I think everybody in their role deserves fair pay and fair conditions. So I hope the writers get what they want. I hope it doesn't have a massive um, detrimental effect on the film and TV industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, when you have these kind of, you know, films and TVs, um, you know, shutting down production or delays and whatnot, talk shows, they'll survive. They're okay. Um, but something like Blade, um, yeah, that movie, man. It's, it's one thing after um, the other, you know. It, you know, the movie got announced. Mah- Mahashala Ali was announced. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so excited. Heard nothing about good about it since. Yeah, writers, directors, everyone leaving, coming new ones. And, and isn't he like kicking up a fuss on set as well? Did I read that, or am I thinking of something else? I don't know. I I haven't heard that. I just I wouldn't be surprised. There's always something with that movie, which is sad because Mahershala Ali is a really talented actor. It's the new. It's the new New Mutants. Oh, I I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> not 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 yet. Not yet. But that yeah, it could could end up being like that. Um. <laughs> So yeah, th- those are major productions, and you know that that can have ripple effects that you know w- far beyond my comprehension. Yeah. Um, in terms of how it affects other people, I see. Like, I really do want writers to have fair pay, fair conditions. But if you are delaying work, like delaying production and stuff, you're delaying work for thousands of other people. Yeah. So it has to be a balance of trying to negotiate those new terms with studios. I think I saw Disney. It was like they asked writers to return back to work uh, during the strike, which I, I, uh, I, I, yeah, they did say that. But I think it was in a in return to work and then non writing roles, wh- whatever that is. I don't know what that yeah. is. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it was just weird to me. But to take away the jobs of other people or to put them in a you know kind of void of like, oh, when do we get back to work? Kind of thing. I I, I do find that bit unfair. As for the Stranger Things part of the conversation, it's, yeah, you know, you want the people that make this high-quality stuff for you to be, you know, respected and, you know, get the compensation that they deserve. Yeah. Um, so it is a bit of a bummer that we have to wait. I do hope in, the, in this period of, you know, when is it starting and whatnot, the Duffer Brothers, they can just take the time to really hone and polish, I guess, not the script because you know, writers and stuff, 
um, but like just other parts of the production and their vision, all that. And yeah, and, and their vision and get a much more clearer idea. I don't mind waiting for Stranger Things. I think we got plenty of good stuff on the way that can keep me entertained for now. But yeah, there's no denying that it's it does like um, annoy me a little bit in the, in the back of my mind because I'm like, oh, that fourth season was just yeah so good and so surprising. Yeah, um, I don't know when it's going to end, but yeah, I just hope you know everything just returns to normal soon and in a way where people are happy. Both both parties are happy. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think the most annoying thing about Stranger Things season five is that it's like the final season and we're mm. not going to get there anytime soon. So it's just like, oh, God damn it. Couldn't you have done this in like season two or three, you know, <laughs> going to your pain and made like millions of season four and five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is a bit annoying and you, mm. you're, you pretty much covered everything off. So, so great. Yeah. And you cover like the both positives and negatives for this. Um, writers definitely should get their dues of like, yeah everyone else is making millions and they're only getting thousands. Like, mm. I mean, a movie is not a movie without a quality script. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if it's a shit script, you get stuff like Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. You know? Mm. No, it, it's definitely a nuanced conversation because, you, you know, it just affects so many people and, you know, you just want to be like considerate to all parties of it. So, yeah. But, yeah. but then you are right in regards to um, how it affects thousands of others. Like actors, yeah. they're on a schedule. So they're, they're on a movie for like a certain period of time mm. before they go on to the next project. Yeah, so it, yeah, it affects everything. And yeah. Same with directors, cinematographers, and, mm. you know, even like the catering. I'm, I'm sure they have other jobs planned in the yeah. movie industry. Like scheduling <laughs> and everything. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll ju- this is a thing that we'll just have to wait and see and how, how it plays out. Yeah, it could be interesting in the coming weeks. Yeah. Well, speaking of writers now, <laughs> this is an interesting topic now. So we have multiple studios. They are looking to explore AI in terms of generating scripts based on books and other public domain mm-hmm. IPs yep. um, over actual writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so just simply put, um, what do you think of AI writing films? Um, now, I saw this news on Twitter. And my entire feed for uh, a good good portion of three or four hours was everyone was clowning this, saying it was stupid and dumb, and studios are getting worse and more sillier and all that kind of stuff. And I I agreed to an extent, but I didn't feel as strongly about it as other people as well because you know you got all this other writer stuff. We just covered that off. All this writer stuff going on, and then this gets announced. It's like it doesn't look good in terms of. You know, the writers wanting fair pay, fair conditions, and she was like, "Oh, we're gonna have AI writer, yeah. <laughs> and you can proofread that for us." It doesn't sound good. Um, my advice um, or take on this per se is more aligned with it should be the other way around in terms of what the news that was announced was that AI would be writing scripts from, you know adaptions and sources and you know when it's adapted from a previous source material it would write new scripts and then the studio brings on a writer to polish it up make sure it looks good and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. it should be the other way around i i do believe ai can be an incredibly valuable tool for writers and should probably be implemented i mean just think about our day-to-day lives and chat gbt how 
you know, that can really be beneficial. You know, instead of going on to Google to look up something, you can just go to ChatGPT and just give you the answer straight away. Um, so it's it, a godsend for work. <laughs> exactly. So it it's, can be ex- extremely beneficial. Think about s- someone, you know, uh, like, I don't know, or we'll just say Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. um, you know, to prepare for writing one of his scripts. There's a lot of research that needs to be involved, something like Interstellar, um, even Tenet to a degree, mm-hmm. learning about those concepts and understanding it. And the scientific nature. Yeah, AI can really be beneficial in kind of bypassing it or like, yeah, speeding up the process for research and studying different parts of it, especially when, you know, it's basing films of a historical context and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's really great there. AI uh, has access to so much information in terms of like, tone writing styles all that different stuff so it can really be good for you know for an analytical purpose like a writer writes a script submits it to an ai and then ai can analyze it and just be like try this or you know alternatives for this because it doesn't align with that or how did this character make that decision it's not explained or something like that you know ai can point out things that is missed in the script writing process yeah and you know it just it would save the time of having like hundreds of or not hundreds but like ten, tens of drafts you know so ai should be used as a tool not a replacement yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i agree with you in, in that regard i mean we've used chat gpt like as a piss taken like some sort of stuff and mm. the way it writes is very ai like you know like very ri- robotic where it's just like yeah a short sentence full stop short sentence full stop yeah that sort of stuff and i don't think that sort of writing st- there might be better mm. ai yeah um platforms out there um that's not chat gbt but i think that's just the most popular one going around at the moment uh, yeah that's <clears> a big <throat> one have you asked it to write a script before no but i'm gonna do it as soon as i get home <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i i did that it was just some it was when i first discovered chat gbt i was like write a script of Michael Scott in the MCU or something like that, and it and, and it just did it, but and it did it like in the in the script way. Yeah, it was like um, interior this place and stuff like that. Oh, so, did it? Yeah, yeah, it can write it can write scripts, but I mean, I don't know how good. I haven't tried writing a very serious and gritty kind of script. Yeah, well, and, in, that, in that case, if you can write it well, I think the other point that I was going to make is is that the entire story of a film is that essentially the di- the director's vision mm. um unless they're adapting something like what this news is like yep. a book like harry potter yeah um but just in terms of because we know it's going to go into the other original content like the director's vision is the story mm. and then they have i assume they have bullet points and they go to the writers and they're like this is what i envision writing yep. a script yeah i think humans will be able to write a better script tailored to the director's vision because mm. they can just keep coming back and asking questions and whatnot yeah. than what AI can. Yeah. Because I think AI will just literally work off those points, but I think an actual human will be like, okay, he wrote this, but I think this is could be something better. Yeah. So I'll try this and see what the director says. Yeah. So I think that that is a real positive for having, having actual human writers. Mm. And I think you are right. Like I think it should be written by humans and then tweaked. Yeah. By AI. Yeah. In the end, so to speak. No, I, yeah. I definitely agree. I think human creativity is impossible to replicate um, by artificial intelligence. I just, I don't think it can happen because human creativity is just, 
there's a special element to it that you know it's it's brand new thoughts and all that kind of stuff it's just yeah it it can't be done by an ai it, it's to the point where like you know you ask AI to write something and you can tell this isn't a human writing it it is as you said robotic yeah and structured and almost boring yeah yeah humans they add a very you know nuanced and personal touch to when they use creativity to produce art in a sense yeah yeah very convenient how we got the announcement of harry potter being uh seven seasons each book now this, don't say it this has come out don't, say, don't even suggest <laughs> it no, don't look at me like that. <laughs> oh, we need, we need to be on camera so we can get these like people can see us um, teasing each other. But no, I, I think James knows where I'm going. With this anyone else knows where I'm going. With I this. would I would lose my mind. I would. Oh man, <laughs> I'm not thinking about that anymore. I can't think about it. Topic for another day, but no, very, never. Very convenient. <laughs> anyway, moving on to AI people not writing the Harry Potter series. Uh, we have. The long-awaited Avatar 1 and Avatar The Way of Water actual physical media 4K release. Um, I think this is something that we've both discussed since we've started collecting um, these physical medias is mm. why is Avatar not there, considering it's like one of the best visual movies ever. Yeah. <clears throat> and we just never really got that. Mm. Um, now it's been announced. Uh, June 20th, I believe, is the um, physical media drops for both films. Yeah. Or it might be Way of the Water. I can't quite remember. Mm. Um. <laughs> I already know what you're going to say, that yes, you are excited, but are you excited for to finally own Avatar in 4Ks of physical media disc? Absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you just said, um, we have long awaited this one. This one was, I know you didn't like the first one, but I know you always wanted to have it in your 4K collection. Because it's, it's a visual masterpiece. Yeah. Like, you have to have it. Because uh, imagine having like an OLED TV and mm. chucking that on. It's just going to look fantastic. Yeah. And um, from that point, I've or I've had um, Avatar The Way of Water on 4K on my OLED TV. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched the, I think, first hour and 15 minutes um, of it. And oh, it was gorgeous, bro. I didn't think the movie would translate very well from the big screen, particularly IMAX and the way that we've watched it um, to the small screen, mm -hmm. because you know, it's a, it's one of those movies you watch and like this is designed for the big screen. Like Top Gun. Yes. Cause I've seen Top Gun in the small and big format and I didn't, I didn't really like it on TV. It just, uh, it lost that kind of magic um, yeah. to it. And that thrillness. Would you still want to own Top Gun on 4k? Yeah, I still need to buy it. I, I I haven't bought it yet, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm getting there. Um, but yes, um, f so I've seen um a bit of Avatar: The Way of Water, and it does work uh on the small screen as well as the big screen. I think when you get it in a disc format and you put it in a Blu-ray player, um, man, it's going to be beautiful. Like especially on OLED TV with the, the colors and uh. You know the the true black and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just going to be gorgeous, and it's going to be one of those movies where I I go out and buy it, pre order it, and then I sit down and watch it that night and just turn all the lights all, off. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's going it's going to be so good. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. you said it with the like true blacks and stuff, and mm. just having all the other colors pop off. Yeah, like you know those what is it screens just turning off. 
forgot the pixels. That's pixels. That's yeah. it. <laughs> it was there. It was the tip of my tongue. I just couldn't fucking think of the word. Like the pixels turning off, and yeah. I think just the color, especially like that the scene in the first one where I think is it where they're under Nawa and it's like white and like it gradually goes purple. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? In the start of the movie. No, I think it's mid. There's like Jake, Sully, and Zoe, yeah, character, and they're yeah. like under this little mushroom little yeah. thing. It's, I I know it. I have a photo somewhere yeah. for it. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just gonna visually look fantastic, yeah. and it's it's about time. I I, mm. I am sort of somewhat glad that James Cameron held off on like releasing this on 4K because like. It's like so so advanced. Yeah. So I think now he's like, yeah, now is a good time where I think mm. both Avatar forms can be done justice on yeah. the physical I media f- yeah. for- format. Mm. I feel like James Cameron is the type of director to oversee, um, you know, the transfer to a 4K or, you know, developing the, the 4K release for it. It's not just the director passing it off to the studio. I feel like James Cameron would be very involved in more hands on. Yeah, yeah. in releasing these movies and approving it. Um Concerns so, his baby. Like yeah. His baby franchise. So it's very exciting. Now we just need some of his other stuff. Aliens and Titanic. I I need to see that. I need to own that in 4K already. <laughs> um so hopefully more announcements are on the way. Yeah, because he's done Alien One, but that wasn't was that directed by him or was that really Scott? That was really Scott. First Alien, yeah. And then he did Aliens. Yeah. Um, Even yeah. Terminator. I know the second one's T2's coming out. out uh, T- T2's out. Yeah. I, I have T2, but I don't have T1. Yeah. Yeah. Titanic. Would you ever own, want to own Titanic? Mm-hmm. I went to the um, the 25 anniversary IMAX screening for it in 3D. Oh. Um, it's, a good, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd definitely own it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Wouldn't watch it in 3D though. It doesn't look well. <laughs> it's not designed for that. All right. Next topic is the upcoming, well, it's untitled, but it's a film based on F1, Formula One racing. James's favorite sport. No. Second. <laughs> Second favorite sport. After league. After year. <laughs> so we have two actors confirmed at the moment. It's Kerry Condon Cod- Cod- and Brad Pitt. They are set to star on it. It's directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been confirmed that Brad Pitt will actually be driving one of the actual vehicles, the F1 vehicles. Yeah. And I think you told me that their studio or the film director, whatever, is actually planning on, is it 11th team in the actual upcoming F1 season? Yeah. So, so they can film throughout this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a big F1 fan. I'm sure you'll be talk on my behalf because I didn't really <laughs> follow it that much. So yeah. floor is yours, James. Thoughts on this movie, this concept, this idea, everything. Um, yeah, no. So yeah, the, the, this movie is going to be great. There is another actor confirmed, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, yeah. Uh, actual racer. Yeah. He, he's in it. Um, I don't know the, to the extent that actual F1 racers will be a part of this. Uh, whether they're just in the background or the actual characters. Um, in terms of story, I, I don't know what it could be, but, you know, what did Joseph Kosinski last do? Top Gun Maverick. Puts real actors into jets, jet planes. And so we're going to get the thing in one of the fastest cars in the world. $12 yeah. million dollar cars here. Um, which, which is, it's, it's just crazy. I know that the smallest movable 6K camera will be fit installed inside these cars 
And if you've ever watched an F1 race, they do have cameras um, inside the racers' cars and they show footage of that, but it's mm-hmm. just so bouncy. It's not crystal clear. It's, yeah. Um, so to have this, it's pretty crazy just because of, you know, the suspension and how bouncy cars are. And yeah. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Having them as an 11th team um, in terms of the actual F1 season, I don't think it's going to be like Brad Pitt's not going to be racing. Um, it would be like a stunt driver. No, I, 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 they wouldn't put another car in there just because you're not gonna uh, corrupt. Um, imagine if the like, imagine if the uh, film team like won an actual race. If if they did actually <laughs> enter and they're part of like the lineup and end up winning, like <laughs> oh, that would be the greatest moment ever. <laughs> Brad Pitt wins, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah, he, he spends the rest of his career being an F1 driver. Um, I imagine that he'd be a part of because for an F one it's an it's an entire weekend. Yeah. So you have practice one, two, and three. You got then you got qualifying, and then you got the actual Grand Prix. So I imagine that Brad Pitt um, would be around the first three practices because that's when they go out and they just do laps, and uh, you know they kind of pull over to the side and allow other drivers to pass. It's it's not intense to the point where it's dangerous. You know, people have died on an F1 track. People crash all the time. So yeah. they're not going to have Brad Pitt driving around there. Especially causing like crashes. Someone that's like so unexperienced as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine for things when it's like an actual F1 race being filmed, I imagine it'll be a mixture of, you know, the actual race and Brad Pitt being there, but just using footage from two different moments shot at different times. So... Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that I would I'll be very very excited for. Not because it's just Formula 1 and I do love Formula 1. It's the fact that it's Joseph Kwiatkowski in there. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's there. Mm-hmm. Um Tom Cruise is a big part of this for some reason. Is he? Yeah, because I mean, he was in the Mercedes pit crew today. He's probably the reason yeah. why like he's making Brad Pitt actually drive. Yeah, oh, 100%. I I know Brad Pitt wants to be a driver in the car. Um but yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise was with um, Mercedes today uh, during the Miami Grand Prix. But I mean, like, I, I don't know if he's going to star in it, but having, you know, Joseph Kosinski, obviously having Tom Cruise being a part of it in some way, Brad Pitt signing on, mm-hmm. Kerry Condon, who just got off a, um, an Oscar nomination, and to be accepted by the FIA, that's the people that run the um, Formula One, to have some involvement on the track in an additional F1 car is a big deal. This stuff does not get approved. I mean, I know Netflix had to go through how to get their drive to survive series. So yeah, um, yeah you can expect big things, um, I think. Yeah. Hey, maybe this might what make me actually watch Drive to, Div- drive to Survive and watch Get Into F1. Hurry, you need to hurry up and get into F1. It's, it's on my list. You're man. falling behind. It is. Um, I'm just going to, you pretty much covered it all nice. I'm just going to piggyback on a few things. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way that this is going to be done, you know how they said they're going to enter 11th team in the film. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to do the similar sort of approach that they that they have done for Jack Gyllenhaal's upcoming <clears throat> UFC film. So, oh, yes. So I can't remember which um, UFC it was. I think it might have been Volkanovski and Marchkev's fight, but they had um, they pretty much had like the cameras and the set and crew there for the actual weigh-ins that they filmed that 
and then the actual fighters came on and did their bit. Yeah. And then just before the fighting took place, like Jake Gyllenhaal got onto the ring. With his, you've seen that, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with his opposing actor and yeah. they acted the scenes and whatnot in the ring at, before the actual fight card. Yeah. So I wonder if they might do that, you know, like before the warm-ups, they have like this sort of things just with the film mm-hmm. and like other stunt car drivers and whatnot. Yeah, I know. I, I do think like that. And um, like, like I said before, the, I think it'd be included in their practice runs when yeah. the other cars are in operation as well. Um, the only thing I don't like about that, um, and further to your point about Jake Gyllenhaal's UFC thing, is you saw what happened. And so you're to me, you're, you know when that scene's in the movie, how it plays out. Yeah. So it is, it is kind of spoilery in a way. Um, I don't think that in an F1 setting it would be like that. Um, but I, yeah, all I, all I know is that you know, it's going to be very – it'll be done in a very um, – I, I, I don't know the word, but it will be very um, – just very accurate and just – Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say it, but <laughs> it, it's not just going to be, oh, he comes out before the races. It'll be done in very systematic and – yeah. Um, detailed kind of way. They'll they'll pre-plan it because putting Jake Gyllenhaal and having a stunt double there to fight with is not not dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Putting someone in a car that can go upwards to three hundred and fifty k's an hour is dangerous. They probably have a cap on that, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, if you got if you got to film it, if he's got to be in there while it's filming, yeah, it's going you got to be so much safety precautions and. You got to have the other drivers can't be around probably because Brad Pitt crashes into them or something. <laughs> it, it would be pretty bad. But you know, it's, it's meant to start in Silverstone Grand Prix, which I think is in July. So filming. That's yeah. That that's yeah. when they're meant to be a part of it. Um. So I'm sure I'll see footage of the crew around at that point. But there's I I guess that means that filming begins in July. Yeah, yeah. So it could be, I'd say a 2025 release, um, but hopefully get more detail on this soon because, yeah, on a technical standpoint, Joseph Kaczynski is becoming one of those directors where it's like, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to see it kind of thing. Yeah, must watch. Yeah, further goes to point out how great Top Gun Maverick was. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) best film of the year. Yeah. Speaking of one of the best films of the year. The next one is an animated one, and that's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. So that comes out very soon. Comes out next month. Very uh, early next month. I think three three and a bit weeks away. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reported runtime for this is two hours and 20 minutes. So it's like one of the longest animated films ever made. Yeah. Um, so do, do you like this runtime? Um, do you think it fits for an animated film, or would you rather have it the same sort of length um, as the first one? Ooh, interesting question. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think I care. Hmm. As long as the movie's good. I don't think having it in a, as a live action or an animated version really makes much of a difference if the story is good. Um, and if the, if the story justifies that runtime. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism recently about The Little Mermaid being an hour longer than the animated version. Um, or the the one the yeah. Little Mermaid coming out, uh, and in that sense, I agree that it's a bad thing to do because if your source material that you're adapting it from is an hour less, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of new stuff that they're adding in. 
Exactly. We're yeah. dragging out. For something that doesn't look that good at this point in time. <laughs> That's a problem. In this case, it's a. It feels like they're doing. They're, it just seems like they're doing something really big for Spider Verse. Just the way they're structuring this kind of franchise or trilogy. You know, initially it was, um, you know, across Spider Verse Part Two and then like Beyond was the. Well, Beyond was Part Two and Across was Part One. Yeah. So it was. It's meant to be like some massive conjointed story and. It really seems like, um, you know, the directors are really going all out for this. So if those initial reports of how this was meant to be part one and the next one next year, it comes out next year, by the way. Oh, does it? Oh, fuck, I was, yeah, I thought yeah, it was 2025. Yeah, so that's why it's a um, part one, part two kind of situation. If they got that in place, then they've written it at the same time and they kind of made it at the same time as well. Mm. So that's a massive... Uh, Massive endeavor, and I think it would justify a two-hour, twenty-minute runtime. Yeah, um, yeah. It, this could be like one of those, like a massive kind of like, you know, franchise, but like in the animated format. We, yeah. we had this big animated franchise, but not, not in the way of like a build-up to a finale, like kind of franchise. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's not quite on the level of Avatar, but it's like. Avatar esque in terms of the avatar, uh, in terms of the animated industry, mm. you know, like how Avatar like redefined animation in terms of live action. Yeah, uh, into the Spider Verse redefined animation for the animated cartoon type of films. Yeah, so they're, they're both very unique in what they bring, and mm. I feel that that's what. Um, sorry to cut you off, by the way. <clears throat> You're right. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel that that's what this vision of the whole Spider-Verse thing is, is just yeah. redefining the genre of animation. And it's clearly shown, like, when Avatar came out, yeah, the big craze back then was 3D and fucking every single film, mm-hmm. whether it warranted or not, was in goddamn 3D. <laughs> yeah. And thank God it's pretty much fucked off now. <laughs> um, and in this one, we have that sort of, like, comic book sort of arty mm. sort of style not not many yeah. like you know your disney's and your pixar's they haven't mm. um, jumped aboard on this yeah but dreamworks is one and they do it pretty well yeah as well just the different kind of art styles and animated stuff yeah yeah i mean um that kind of topic's very interesting if these movies these spider-verse movies are trying to show what animation can be and if they can operate on the same kind of level of live action movies, I think that would be a very interesting narrative. Yeah. Um, because animated movies are looked at as just like standalone, haha, funny, cutesy, uh, colorful things. Um, you don't look at animated, any animated like trilogy and be like, wow, what a, one of the best trilogies of all time. Obviously you got stuff like how to train a dragon, Kung Fu Panda, they're good, but they're not like regarded as like Dark Knight trilogy or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just looked it up. Beyond the Spider Verse comes out in March next year, so. Oh, less than a year. Yeah, I think I think that these two movies are going to be big, and I would imagine Beyond the Spider Verse has a similar runtime. I, I just know I have faith in the writers, the directors, to really pull something special out, and they're not going to have a long runtime for the sake of it. That's true, yeah. yeah. I sort of wish, um, it's probably will never happen. It probably is a dumb idea, but imagine if the post-credit, like there's no post-credit scene except for one, and it's just a trailer for Beyond. Oh, right, yeah. 
So similar to what Captain America did, you know, how it had that little teaser for the Avengers? Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. I wonder if that they'll go that route or if they'll just let um, across the Spider-Verse simmer, so to speak, and then a couple months down the line, bang, he's beyond the Spider-Verse's trailer, get ready for the next six months because it's coming out then. Yeah, you could could really do. You don't have to stop the Spider-Verse train as soon as across the Spider-Verse comes out. So, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. The box office tracking um, at the moment is around like 80 to 100 million opening. That's really good for an animated film. That's crazy. Um, considering the first Spider-Verse movie made 186 million. First weekend. Total. Oh, total. For domestic, yeah. Oh. So people love Spider-Verse and it looks like it's going to have a massive uptake in its opening weekend. And it's also capitalizing on that um, Spider-Man sort of craze at the moment. Which continues to go up. You yeah. know, you got Spider-Man 2 coming out on PlayStation yeah. um, 5 this year. Um, and that's just going to do everything for the best superhero. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. It, moving on. <laughs> hey, Batman's in the flash, right? You got that. Bro, that's going to that's gonna be the greatest comic book film of all time besides The Dark Knight. No, Dark Knight Rises. Moving on, <laughs> we have Gladiator 2. That is a movie that's been announced. The first Gladiator came released excess of 20 years ago. I can't remember the exact date. I think. Is it? I thought it was 90s. Oh, well. Anyway, it's more than 20 years ago. Is it? Now, that's for sure. It starred Russell Crowe and um, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Gladiator 2 has been announced. 2000, sorry. 2000, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, 23 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Easy math. <laughs> Easy math, yeah. So um, smart. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the director is the same as the first one. It's Ridley Scott. We already know how accomplished and well mm. the director is. Yeah. And the casting has been announced in drips and drabs. Mm-hmm. So this is the cast so far. We have Paul Mescal, Denzel Washington, Joseph Quinn, Barry Keown, and more, more recently, Pedro Pascal has been attached to this film. Other than that, there's not really many details in regards to the plot of this film. It's just cast announcements. It's set after Gladiator mm. and Ridley Scott's directing. Yeah. So with this cast, what what do you think of it? The the cast and the director and the film overall. Oh, I mean, it's been it's been a while since I've seen Gladiator. How it might be over a decade ago now. I don't remember much from it. I know that the score was amazing for it. Mm-hmm. I think Hans Zimmer did it. I think so too. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if he's attached to this mm. or not. And yeah, so uh, I know. I remember. I remember liking the first one, but it wasn't at a in like a period of time where you know I was like into deep into movies. Yeah, at least not um, beyond just your, your standard blockbuster. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, so I, I will rewatch this. Um, prior to the second one coming out, and pro- probably this year at some point, I'll, I'll just sit down and watch it. I'll get the 4K and you'll go. I don't, I, I don't have it yet. Do you have the 4K? No, I don't have the 4K, but it is on my wish list. On the wish list, eh? Yeah. It's one to get for sure. We will get it together. I'll get it for your birthday. You get it for mine, and both of us. It's very funny because I was actually thinking of doing that as soon as you see that you didn't have it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, you can't export it. But what if I'm lying? You're not lying. You won't be lying. I know what I'm getting you for yours anyway. 
I know what I'm getting you for yours. Cats in 4K. So this is my last podcast <laughs> for movie games. <laughs> yeah, no, he's very sensitive towards the cats <laughs> in that movie. That was his worst movie experience. Was, I, was that your worst movie experience? Most recent that I can think of, yeah. I ex- absolutely hated it. If you, weren't, if, if you weren't there in that screening, man, oh, I would have hated it just as much as you, but I got to see <laughs> you struggle arms crossing. <laughs> Why, oh, that's a great throwback. But back to the topic of conversation. Um, Gladiator 2. Um, yes, I need to rewatch it. But from memory, it was good. Um, and, you know, the movie speaks for itself. It made good money. It won Best Picture. Um, it got nominated for, I think, 12 Oscars, 11 mm-hmm. Oscars maybe. Um, so it's a highly decorated film. And then you bring in the director that made the first one. You can be excited. And you can have a little bit more assurance that this isn't just a cash grab. Yeah, I know Ridley Scott, he's a bit of a hit or miss director now. But he's very decorated. And when he... When he strikes gold, it's good. Um, so I think Gladi- Gladiator would be one of his best films. And for him to return to come back, I would imagine he has a purpose for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And having these cast members, um, what are they, Paul Mescal, um, Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Um, Denzel, Jessica Quinn, and Barry Keown. So many like Mescal, Mescal. <laughs> Um, I think that's my bad because on my script I I wrote it very close together. I probably should have put like another act in between. Sounds like you're like rhyming words together, but you know, <laughs> yeah, Denzel Washington as well. Uh, so you got very good cast members signing on. You know, Barry Keegan as well. He he got an Oscar nomination for Banshees of Anishran. So yeah, you got some talent behind this. Um, and the person who's writing this writes alongside Ridley Scott films in general so there's plenty of reasons to be excited for this movie i was gonna make a joke of if he's on strike or not but i'll just keep that to myself which is now on air (laughs) fair enough (laughs) yeah i'm on the same boat as you i i do remember the first gladiator i'm mainly the ending and you know the am i are you not entertained meme because that's just memed Mm -hmm. so often um i am quite excited for this film especially that um that we have a good, great cast here. Yeah. And Ridley Scott's coming back as well. It's first Gladiator was his vision and he's just continuing that mm. as a sequel. Um, so I'm pretty excited for that. I, I wonder if Russell Crowe, he can't act in it. Um, but I wonder if he'll have a like, sort of like a backstage role, mentor type of role in this. Mm. Be pretty cool to see him um, be attached to this in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Quite excited for this one to come up. It should be a goodie. Next year it comes out as well. That's very soon. Yeah, it it shocked me. I was expecting 2025 as well for this one. Just because it's only been the cast being announced so far. Yeah, and and nothing else. Yeah. And I swear we're like, we got this this news like this year as well. Yeah. So yeah, 22nd of November next year. Oh, end of year. Okay. Yeah. I think there's plenty of time to That could work. Yeah. For a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. All right, that will do us today on the Let's Be Real podcast. Hope you've all enjoyed the show wherever you have been listening from. If you have any burning questions about this episode or you just want to say hello, head over to our social media. You can find us on Twitter, 
TikTok and Pinterest. And we also have great videos on YouTube. Or if you're feeling old school, swing by moviegames.com and sign up to our newsletter. We have all the best box office stats, Oscar predictions, film and 4K reviews as well. So definitely sign up to that newsletter because it is worth it and don't unsubscribe, please. And hey, if you love today's episode and you want to hear more, check us out on Spotify or wherever the hell you get your podcasts from. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. We'll catch you on the next episode next week. We'll move again. See you later. Peace.